Hello, and welcome to yet another journal episode of the In Common podcast. My name is Frank van Laarhoven. You are about to listen to a conversation that I had with Ilya Murtazashvili about his recent IJC publication that is entitled Blockchain Networks as Knowledge Commons. Ilya co-authored this paper together with Jennifer Brick, Murtazashvili, Martin Weiss, and Michael Madison. What I especially like about the article that we discussed is how it applies concepts and framings from common scholarship that most of our listeners will be very familiar with to a topic that is arguably rather far removed from the beaten track that many in our domain, myself included, tend to often take. In the article, Ilya and his colleagues show the value of looking at blockchain networks as knowledge commons that rely on collectively managed technologies to pool distributed information. I learned a lot from talking with Ilya, and I hope you enjoy listening to the interview as much as I have enjoyed having it. Ilya, a warm welcome to our show. Uh, for context, you are in Pittsburgh, I presume, Pennsylvania. I am in Utrecht, in the Netherlands. For me, it's uh, three PM-ish, and for you, your working day is just about to start. I am delighted to speak with you today about your recent IJC contribution. It's an article in which you show the virtue and the usefulness of framing blockchain networks as knowledge commons. So common scholarship has traditionally gravitated towards what has been dubbed the big five teams, uh, forests, uh, water, pastures, irrigation systems, and fisheries. And there has been a strong pleat for more attention for so-called new commons. And in your paper, you have taken up the glove, so to say, and you present a convincing argument that analytically approaching blockchain uh, as knowledge commons makes a lot of sense. And in order to, uh, to set the scene for our conversation, blockchains uh, can be defined as distributed append-only ledgers. And the purpose of blockchains uh, chains is to share resources, that is knowledge, data, and uh, opportunities to use outputs created by networks. Another definition that we will need, knowledge commons. They are characterized, you say, by the production of knowledge and information via one or more modes of action, institutions or other formal and informal structures for sharing these knowledge and information resources. And thirdly, governance processes that depend significantly on openness. So Hess and Ostrom, they have argued that knowledge commons have many features of a classic commons, and they include uh, congestion, uh, the needs to handle disputes, uh, the requirement to coordinate uh, between producers and users of knowledge, inequitable access and distribution, and not unimportantly uh, resource sharing. And, and you put one and one together, and you argue that blockchain networks are knowledge commons as they rely on collectively uh, managed technologies to pull distributed information. They institutionalize community governance to produce resources that both uh, support and reflect collective action and self-governing uh, uh, communities. And you substantiate this argument by leaning on the so-called governing knowledge commons framework by your co-author Madison with Frischman and Strandberg that has you asking questions that are related with the involved resources, the boundaries of governance communities, the social dilemmas that occur, the institutional setting, 
the structure of interaction and dispute resolution. So far, uh, setting the scene. So we'll get to talk about your work on blockchain networks uh, as, net, uh, as knowledge networks in a minute. But first, I would like to invite you to talk a little bit about yourself, uh, Ilya. Can you tell me in a bit more detail about your background, about your interests, about what shaped your interest? In the paper, uh, the paper that serves as an excuse to have this conversation, you you, you have a very clear uh, Commons approach, a signature. Uh, generally speaking, how central is Commons scholarship to your work, to how you look and frame the issues that you work on, Ilio? Can, can you can can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, um, you know so. My uh, my initial research on on commons was uh, on the the conventional categories of, of of natural resource governance, and so my my dissertation research, uh, which was the basis for my 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 first book on commons, looked at um, the American frontier, the U.S. frontier, and and how. Um, squatters uh came up with different ways to to manage um uh commons uh mostly with a focus on on uh the emergence of private property institutions to manage commons and so mm -hmm. uh so from that perspective you know there was there was an uh, like an ostromian aspect uh to what we were what we were looking at um but it was uh, it was more of a focus on 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 privatization and and the ways that you had effective management for commons uh, through those types of of of, of resource systems, um, you know, and in working, uh, you know, on those on those topics, I was I was always interested in um, uh, new commons or or commons. Uh, you know, dealing with uh, technology, different types of um, communities. Mm -hmm. But for a long time, the research that that I was doing was focused either on uh, the U.S. frontier and the evolution of rules, um, you know, governing natural resources, uh, or uh, we had done a lot of work on property institutions and 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 governance of commons in Afghanistan. You know, okay. and so those those two cases might not always uh uh seem to fit together but um you know when when i was researching the u.s frontier uh uh you know folks mentioned uh that afghanistan has uh you know a lot of similar features as far as uh the perception that there's a wild west but in oh, both okay. cases there was much more order uh you know that we found as far as um commons governance and much of it wasn't based on uh, order that came from the state. And that mm -hmm. that kind of decentralized process of emergence, self-governance is really uh, a key theme of, of, of my research, you know, and, and um, around, I think, two, 2017, 2018, uh, you know, we started working with some folks in um, computer science uh, who were doing work on blockchain and smart contracts. And this was about the time we were starting our our Center for Governance and Markets at the University of Pittsburgh, which is a center devoted to generating uh, knowledge about how communities solve challenges uh, from a bottom-up perspective. And we look at economic, uh, political, and uh, technological aspects of bottom-up solutions. And so 
blockchain is something that really tied together uh, a lot of our concerns with uh, with self-governance, with order that arises outside of uh, government governments. And and it's it's part of uh, commons governance as well, as we argue in this uh, in this paper. Thank you, and that's a, that's that's a fascinating background that you uh, that you bring to the table. Um, so a bit of uh, the traditional uh, marrying it with uh, with the new commons. Uh, talking about the article, your your aim in this article is, as you as you as you state, to to establish how to best analyze the diversity of blockchain networks from the perspective of commons uh, governance. So, 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 Ilya, would you mind elaborating in a bit more detail why this is a relevant and important objective? What, what, what would you say mm -hmm. is the problem that would be solved by establishing a presumably better, better way to analyze blockchain uh, networks? Well, I think what 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 motivates a lot of our research on on blockchains is this idea that that you have this new technology and that it simply allows people to. Um, to contract uh, without relying on on governments, and our our research is really based on this idea that a blockchain network, like any large uh, complex organization, confronts many governance dilemmas. And those types of governance dilemmas were were um, you know the sorts of of dilemmas that that have been um, uh, you know a focus of, of research on research on resource commons uh, and and in our approach to blockchain what we're what we're trying to get people to um, to focus on is that there are also uh, similar dilemmas when it comes to um, new technologies and so if there's a key takeaway message from this kind of research is it's that blockchain, requires governance um, and that the governance uh, the governance institutions for different blockchain networks are quite diverse and um, what's what's needed is is basically the type of research that uh, Commons uh, scholars and practitioners have been doing for a long time which is to um, to better understand the diversity of ways that that blockchain networks are 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 governed. And and so what we did in this paper is we uh, we illustrated it with Bitcoin, which most people know of Bitcoin when they think about blockchain, um, but that only scratches the surface. And and you know a focus on the governing knowledge commons approach and the resource commons approach when applied to blockchain, it it really focuses our attention on on questions of governance. Be, and for for some or maybe even many of of, of our listeners, it, it may be difficult to wrap our heads around uh, blockchain networks as a phenomenon. Uh, but but I do think that that listeners to this particular podcast presumably have an interest in and probably also know a thing or two about concepts coming from Commons scholarship, which is the concepts that you 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 bring to the table that you apply, and they might be helped by pouring a commons flavored sauce over what we are looking at uh, blockchain networks for, for example when when looking at a blockchain network from an ostromian uh, lens we can we can appreciate uh, blockchains as a form 
uh, as you say in your article, of institutionalized community governance. Uh, could you maybe explain in somewhat more detail what, what that means in, in, in practice? Yeah, so when a blockchain comes about, uh, the, the blockchain itself ha has to uh, be based on different types of rules. And, and so, you know, that can kind of be thought of as, uh, you know, a constitutional moment for for the blockchains. And, and those rules don't necessarily... Uh, remain the same over time. There's different, uh, you know, ways that those, those rules can, um, will, will change and, and, and they do change quite frequently. And so the institutionalized community governance aspect is it, it, it puts, focuses our attention on the types of rules for, you know, who can, who can participate in the blockchain. Um, when there are disputes that arise in the blockchain, how will they be resolved? Um, you know, and so those are the types of, uh, questions that that type of, of, of perspective in, in invites. And with with blockchain, it, it's not simply a technology that's governance free. It's not, you know, it's not dispute free. Um, you know, there's a lot uh, uh, of challenges, uh, you know, that arise, including challenges that might arise from from individuals within the organization asserting what might be perceived as too much power within within a blockchain network. Mm -hmm. um, and, and from even a kind of, you know, more kind of simpler perspective, you know, we oftentimes think of blockchains as like Bitcoin, uh, which are permissionless and essentially anybody can participate, but a lot of blockchains, you know, are, are, are permissioned, you know, they have features more like a, um, like a conventional firm, uh, you know, and so those are, those kind of differences in in the blockchains are going to to influence their their performance, um, yeah. you know. And so, beyond thinking about blockchains as institutionalized community governance, you know, what we um, what we want to do is try to understand how differences in the institutions affect um, the performance of these networks. Yeah, yeah, people tend to present, sometimes tend to present uh, blockchain networks as, uh, as as trustless and decentralized and and, 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 and a technology that that, ca that can solve many of the things that at are that are at the heart of the difficulty of organizing self-governance. You, you mentioned um, dispute settlement and to bring the topic to life a little bit, I know you mentioned a couple of examples of disputes that have been settled in various ways. I think disputes that are related with the size of blockchains, for example, can, can you, can you mm -hmm. tell a little bit more about that, uh, the details of the dispute and the way in which it has been or could have been settled and, and, and showing some of the variation of this institutionalized community governance in, in, in this particular context, uh, Ilya? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think with 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 blockchains and and dispute resolution. Now, one of our uh, co-authors on this paper, Mike Mike Madison, is is a is a law professor, and and, and so you know one of the things uh, uh, you know we we want to do in this paper is highlight that blockchains uh, disputes are common, um, and sometimes they're resolved within um, a blockchain within a blockchain network uh if they can't be resolved um you know that's when you get these kind of hard forks you know where you basically uh agree to go your own way um 
but beyond that, uh, you know, dispute resolution in, in, in a general sense arises, the need for dispute resolution arises because you have uh, the need for blockchains to communicate with data from the real world, you know, and so, you know, you have um, oracles and, and, you know, if, if you can specify everything, uh, you know, as precisely as possible, then, you know, data goes in and, and, you know, blockchains are going to do what they do. There's not going to be, um, you know, any, any potential for, uh, for, for disputes over any of that. But um, in practice, it's not, it's not possible to completely uh, specify everything, you know, mm -hmm. and so blockchains, you know, there's, there's a body of negotiation law that, that deals with, uh, um, with blockchains. And then from an internal perspective, when there are disputes over, uh, blockchain, you know, some players, individuals, uh, within the blockchain network are going to have disproportionate, uh, influence over how those are, those are resolved, you know? And so, um, you know, so that, you know, the dispute resolution has both an internal, uh, and an external aspect. And, and as our, our colleagues and who, you know, who have written about blockchain in the law, um, you know, point out that, you know, blockchain, it, it, it doesn't eliminate uh, a need for lawyers, which we see as part of uh, the ongoing need for governance of blockchains. Yeah, speaking of, of, of conflicts, internal, external, a particular type of, I guess, internal conflicts come from the social dilemma characteristics. So I think another concept applicable to blockchain networks and that our listeners and probably uh, the readers of the journal are intimately familiar with our social dilemmas, context-specific conflicts between uh, individual welfare and and and, uh, and social welfare. So, so what are some of the typical social dilemmas that occur in blockchain networks and that become uh, apparently more uh, obviously uh, identifiable when approaching uh these networks from a, from a commons perspective how, how does the framing that you propose maybe also help solving such social dilemmas do they help solving mm -hmm. such uh, social dilemmas so in short what what social dilemmas do you begin seeing begin appreciating when applying your framework and and how does the application of your framework help maybe solving these types of uh, dilemmas and, and and make the governance of uh, of blockchain networks uh, a, a, a better endeavor yeah, I, that's a you know that's a great question. I mean, I think with um, with with the governing the knowledge commons uh, or the governing knowledge commons framework, um, one of the questions that the framework asks when looking at any blockchain network are what are the what are the social dilemmas that the blockchain intends uh, uh, is attempting to solve, mm -hmm. um, you know, and so um, you know those social dilemmas in a sense can be um anything um and, and in many situations the challenge is that uh you know individuals might not um you know they might not have confidence in other types of institutions to address these types of 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 problems you know and so if you think about it you know a social dilemma for like managing uh commons uh, is oftentimes that um you know you might not be able to have confidence that the government will, um, you know, do what a community wants, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and so a blockchain, 
network, if implemented, could be something that a community could use uh, to record information, you know, that has, you know, desirable properties, you know, immutability, openness, transparency, um, you know, and, and that could be something that 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 could uh, help people, um, you know, provide for the need to to better record information so that um you know so that everybody's on the same page with uh uh you know roles and responsibilities for management of 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 comments you know and so with with social dilemmas i mean it's really you know when we think about why you have this blockchain in the first place like does it actually work the social dilemma is what you know motivates the creation of these um you know, these networks, and that's sometimes left out, you know, we can simply think about the blockchain technology and understand a little bit about it. But, um, you know, to understand why we have it, I think, uh, requires us to think about, um, you know, those types of uh, those types of challenges. So, so where would you say would the conventional commons toolkit fall short of analyzing blockchain networks you have shown that it's it can be of great help but is there maybe a disconnect between the conventional approach to studying and conceptualizing and framing things from a commons perspective and 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 what you see what you need what you re require in in the in the analysis of a of a blockchain network mm -hmm. yeah yeah this is uh it, this is a question that we oftentimes uh discuss with our with our research team uh mm -hmm. you know in part um because certain aspects of technology we do think that a more conventional commons based governance approach is oftentimes useful and appropriate you know so one of the areas of research that we do is on governance of electromagnetic spectrum mm -hmm. you know so uh you know we're part of a uh, this new organization called spectrum x which is uh it's an nsf uh uh spectrum innovation institute and in that in, in that realm our debates are oftentimes between the kind of conventional private property rights approach going back to like coasts um and then what we like is more of an ostromian approach which we think is useful for understanding sharing spectrum Mm -hmm. um, and there it's more just conventional resource commons because a lot of people see spectrum as a, essentially a natural resource. And there are debates about that, you know. So, um, you know, spectrum is an area of, of kind of, uh, uh, you know, knowledge. It's it's not like a conventional resource, but the kind of more uh, Ostromian approach to um commons governance based on resource management is useful blockchains are a little bit different uh uh you know in in the sense that um you know it, it's a little bit more challenging i think to um you know to look at uh, uh a blockchain network as something that's that's dealing with a, a resource that's um exhaustible or yep. visible um as you might say um you know but with spectrum you know you know the signals to an extent compete yep. so you know you have this congestion problem um but what we've argued is that like blockchains do differ from a lot you know thinking in terms of natural resource governance because you're not really dealing with something where you have an obvious problem of um you know a, a resource that's going to get used up yeah and in that sense 
you know, that's where with, uh, um, you know, with the approach, why we think it's, it's useful to focus more on uh, a governing knowledge commons perspective, because it focuses on, uh, you know, products of the, of the human mind, where you're not primarily concerned with if you, if you essentially mess things up, you're going to not have a resource around in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the challenges are, 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 are similar to what, um, you know, uh, what people, you know, who look at, uh, resource commons, look at, uh, you know, issues with congestion, issues with power issues with, um, you know, trying to generate resources for a community that involves substantial amounts of sharing, um, you know, and, and, and blockchain networks, when we look at them, um, you know, you could say, well, blockchains that, you know, you have cryptocurrencies and all this, like, uh, what, where's the sharing, where's the, uh, the common good. Um, but so much of blockchains involve, uh, the generation of, of, of knowledge that's shared and it provides a framework for people to participate, you know? And so thinking about blockchains, we want to think about it in the categories of new commons, like something like Wikipedia or open source software, um, or commons based peer production, Mm -hmm. you know? So we would look at blockchains in within within that category, um, you know, and, uh, you know, and from there, what you get is this kind of, you know, what you, what you'll generate is a a view of blockchain as something that's beyond cryptocurrency. It's something that has, uh, a lot of properties that are, are inclusive that open up, um, opportunities for communities and to tie it into the, to the broader question about self-governance, um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of opportunities with, with blockchain networks to come up with, uh, you know, rules that, you know, uh, you want to, people want to experiment that communities want to experiment with, um, you know, and so it opens up a range of possibilities, but the ability to use that is a shared resource, Yeah. you know? So once the technology is out there, it becomes, you know, part of the commons, but it's not something that you simply are going to implement. There are governance dilemmas that are going to be uh arising within any blockchain network and as more uh applications as there are more applications and uses of blockchain um there's going to be a need for more study of of what kind of rules were in those blockchains because some will succeed some won't do as well um and ultimately the rules will probably explain what what worked and what didn't At the heart of all forms of self-governance uh, in, in, in the conventional uh, common scholarship is, is trust. I think everything comes down to trust as a, as a lubricant to, to, to collective action and, and, and trust um, uh, in, 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 uh, in, in, in organizing collective action. It has been argued that, that blockchain technology doesn't need trust because of the over-reliance on, 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 on an excessive amount of transparency. How, how do you feel about that? Is, 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 is blockchain technology offering uh, a solution to governance that, 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 that requires trust? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, this also is a, it's a great question. And I think one that you're not going to get uh, you're not going to get a consensus to this because I think a lot of people say, well, there are aspects where blockchain uh, reduces the need um, um, for trust. But if you're going to rely on 
a blockchain network, um, you know, there's some people within the network that you have to trust. You have to, um, I think more accurately, you have to have confidence in the, the, the blockchain. Um, and, and part of the reason why you would have confidence in the blockchain, um, you know, is because you, uh, uh, you know, trust, you know, the people who created it, you, you, you trust in the, uh, in the, in the technology, yeah, um, and, you know, and so, you know, blockchain can't eliminate trust. And, and if you're thinking about blockchains that are uh, established by individuals, right? Because again, a, a blockchain could be permissioned. It could be for a community to try to come up with, uh, to use a technology to come up with their own rules, you know, for, you know, for any manner of things, you know, voting on things, right. Come up with different voting rules. You know, if you like, yeah. you want to experiment with quadratic voting or some other type of voting system, you know, you could do that. Um, but you're going to have to then trust other people in the organization, you know, so uh, yeah. trust, I agree with you. Trust is, is critical and it doesn't go away with blockchains. That's um, it, 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 what it does do is if, if you don't trust maybe the government, right? Blockchain can provide a technological solution where you would have, you know, openness, immutability, and transparency. Yeah. Um, you know, and and that might be, a, you know, a useful thing. Um, but you would ask yourself, why is it that you're using the blockchain? And that involves, I think, a question of, you know, some degree of trust in that technology. So I, I tend to uh, to end this podcast with a question about uh, practical practical impact of, uh, of of findings. So so what can commoners, not academics, learn from what you have studied and found? In other words, if you are in one form or the other involved with blockchain networks, what can you take away from uh, from the study that you have uh, carried out, uh, Ilya? You know, I I, I think a key um, you know if you're if you're using blockchain, if you're in the blockchain space is, is to, um, you know, to examine the, you know, the governance, uh, institutions in in greater depth and to be clear about what those, those governance institutions are and, and to, um, you know, to, to try to, um, you know, see how any given blockchain network differs from, uh, from other networks and try to explain how those unique features uh, might be useful for others as they're trying to um, refine uh, blockchain networks and to, to develop more effective uh, solutions to their, to their problems, you know? And so I think more of a, an attention to uh, uh, what goes on behind the scenes mm -hmm. uh, would be useful uh, because I think a lot of people in the blockchain space focus on like what it's, uh, producing what are the outputs um you know we talk a lot about you know different types of cryptocurrencies um but it would be useful within that space to um to get more into those rules in a way that would lend itself to you know to thinking about blockchains as 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 networks that are uh that require governance and to understand what about the governance aspects um you know is uh uh, leading to the success of those those networks and and where governance failures arise um, to to put those out there so others can can learn from them. 
Okay, I, I, I think with that, we have come to an end of uh, of our conversation and also of the show. Ilya, I, I thank you for joining me all the way from uh, Pittsburgh, PA. And it was an absolute pleasure to talk with you and to learn quite a bit more about uh, about blockchain networks from uh, and studying them from a, from a network's perspective. So thank you very much, uh, Ilya. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, I appreciate everything you're doing. You're generating a great uh, knowledge commons with uh, International <laughs> Journal of the Commons and, and with this podcast. And I'm happy to uh, uh, to participate in it. And and I really thought these questions were intriguing. And, and you know, we have a lot more to, to think about uh, in this research agenda. So I, I appreciate your time and this opportunity. So this was another episode of the uh, journal episode series of the In Common podcast. We produce these episodes for students of the Commons that range from seasoned scholars to early career or wannabe researchers. To offer them a peek behind the scenes of research, to allow them to appreciate both the nitty gritty, the messy reality that you don't get to see in the published version of a paper. We also make these episodes for commoners, for practitioners that may not have the time, the patience or the stomach to work themselves through 20 pages worth of dense jargon laden research papers. And of course, we make these episodes for you. Thank you for listening and I really hope you have enjoyed it. You can find more episodes as well as our blog on the website incommonpodcast.org and tell us what you think about the episode or about the show. You can do that on Twitter at IncommonPod. And of course, if you like us, leave a rating or a review wherever you find your podcasts, and this will help others to find us as well. The article that we discussed today can be found, can be downloaded for free at thecommonsjournal.org. The International Journal of the Commons is a community-owned and operated open access platform for high-quality peer-reviewed commons research content. In Common is the official podcast of the International Association for the Study of the Commons. <laughs>